The Japanese had been among the first to commit to building a larger fleet of the more sizable battleships, starting with Satsuma, which was laid down in 1904. The Russo-Japanese War of 1904 and 1905 confirmed for the Imperial Japanese Navy that sea battles would be fought at great distances, requiring deck guns capable of launching ordnance at enemy vessels and shore installations from well beyond the horizon. They were certainly aware of the fright value of a massive ship, guns booming, dropping shells out of the sky onto faraway targets. The IJN's continued infatuation with dreadnoughts carried over into the beginning of World War II. Japan built the two largest and most heavily armed battleships ever constructed, the first two of the proposed Three Sisters. The Yamato and Musashi were each more than 860 feet in length and displaced an amazing 72,000 tons. The Yamato was commissioned a week after the attack on Pearl Harbor. The Musashi followed soon after, in the summer of 1942. The decision to concentrate the Pearl Harbor attack on warships moored along Battleship Row was driven by a prejudice that had been held by many in the Japanese Navy for at least the previous half-century. Yet for some officers, air power had altered the balance at sea. Planes had successfully operated off ship decks since the Japanese first launched an air raid off a vessel in September 1914. Admiral Isoroku Yamamoto, commander-in-chief of the combined fleet, had been a strong proponent of carriers since before the war, even as his colleagues' commitment to the Three Sisters battleships persisted. A new era of sea warfare required a different kind of capital ship. One reason for this was simply because of the vulnerability of the battleships, and especially to the specific ordnance that could be delivered by airplanes in wave after wave, overpowering the big ship's defenses. Quick progress in aircraft technology between the wars assured that carriers would soon play a bigger role than battleships in modern combat. Airplanes could launch off aircraft carriers and then range out hundreds of miles from their mothership to hunt and pounce on those extremely large and inviting targets. Then they could return to a continually moving base, refuel and return to the skies from an entirely different point in the ocean. It did not take the Japanese long to realize the changing nature of nautical warfare and to come around to Admiral Yamamoto's way of thinking. The third of the sisters, the Shinanno, was already well under construction in the Yokosuka naval arsenal on Tokyo Bay when the decision was made to convert her to an aircraft carrier instead. As the world's navies evolved to take advantage of emerging technology during World War I and after, the fuel used to propel many of their vessels changed as well. Coal was no longer the primary fuel burned to make steam in ships' boilers to power their engines. Prior to World War I, warships had to make their way to coal stations at strategically located and friendly ports around the world. There was a massive one at Pearl Harbor, or rely on ships called colliers, which came to them at sea. Colliers were typically lashed to warships long enough for a sufficient load of coal to be transferred over, much of the work being done by hand. With bigger battleships, this operation could take as long as twelve hours. The rise of aircraft carriers brought a need for a different kind of replenishment ship, 
The flat tops now required oil to make steam in their own huge boilers. The airplanes that flew off the carrier's decks had no need for coal either. They thirsted for aviation fuel. The tanker or oiler became a vital part of any country's navy and a key member of a fleet or task force. With thousands of airplanes in the fleets of the world to keep filled up, the need was for bigger and bigger replenishment ships. The U.S. Navy's first oiler, the Arethusa, which eventually carried the hull number A-07, was built by the British. Acquired by the United States in 1893, she was at first used primarily to carry water. She began delivering oil to the Atlantic fleet in 1910. Later classes of oilers were bigger but slower. Some tankers were actually purchased from commercial shipping companies as needed.